0: Top of the morning, afternoon, or evening to you, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app, Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On today's episode, we are going to be taking a quick look at what's going on with the Jets, as there have been some practice updates, as well as some potential line combos heading into the playoffs. And then we will be moving back to our uh, fake expansion draft coverage, talking about what Seattle might look like come uh, 2021, per Ken Weeb, which you can follow on Twitter at at Wiebsworld, Ken was actually at practice, I believe, earlier today and had some results from a couple of stuff where the Jets were maybe not quite as healthy as we'd hoped. Uh right now the first line is currently Connor scheifele Wheeler, second line is Bork eken Line, third line is cop Lowry Roslovic, and the fourth line is Perot Shore Appleton. So obviously the first thing that should stand out is that Bork is currently filling in for Ailers. Now, as far as what that means uh, there is a suspected injury to Ailers, he's been missing a couple of practices, but apparently he did take a quick skate around with the second group. That said, he's certainly not a full participant during practice, which is not a great sign. We're only uh, a little bit over a week out from the playoff start, so I'm kind of concerned that Ailers isn't fully healthy, and I hope that whatever is ailing him, he kind of gets over quickly, because without him, this team will absolutely break down. As for why Jansen Harkins is not in the lineup in place of Bork, it's apparently something to do with the fact that he's unfit to practice, which makes me wonder if he has been exposed to COVID or something. Harkins has been missing from a lot of practices recently, which is not really a comforting thought. He might not be better than guys like Copper Lowry, but Harkins is certainly an improvement on Bork, Eakin, and a few other players in the lineup, so his continued absence on the eve of a fairly important play-in series is not exactly a great thought. Ken did indicate that he thinks that if uh, if Ayler's injury was long-term, that Perot would probably be filling in in Bork's spot on that second line, so he's anticipating that this is mostly just to keep the scrimmages going and not an indication of anything too serious. On defense, we're still looking at Morrissey, DeMello, uh, Kulikov, Pionk, and bolu Pullman. which, yeah, I mean, that's uh, a defensive unit, technically, Morrissey DeMello is very good, but I'm kind of worried that maybe it's a little too stacked. I sort of wonder if you want to give... uh, Well, actually, thinking about it, Morrissey DeMello might make sense if Morrissey is still struggling and still injured because DeMello is definitely more on the shutdown side of things and he can be Morrissey's outlet if things get a little bit too chaotic. Kulikov and Pionk might be okay because Kulikov is definitely the safety outlet and I thought that, you know, before the break, Kulikov was doing pretty well. And Pionk is Pionk, you know where most of his value is coming from, and it's not really in the defensive end. I do anticipate Bolu Pullman to struggle, but you know it's either that or Bolu Sabisa or something. So I will take Bolu Pullman for what it is. Hopefully, Pullman, who showed pretty well when he was playing third pairing matchups and minutes, will actually look pretty decent alongside Bolu. I think that that pairing can work fine as a as a third pairing with limited minutes, and uh, you know Pullman has shown well in the past, so maybe this will be a fine opportunity for him to once again reestablish himself in the lineup. It sounds like in Group 2, uh, as far as the defensemen are concerned, Niku, Dahlstrom, and Stanley are skating with that group. And I feel like that's mostly fair. I probably would have liked to have had Dahlstrom in the first group, because I think that Dahlstrom might be better than Uh, uh He's certainly on the defensive side of things. And sure, he's not really a big puck-carrying blue liner, but Dahlstrom was very good at denying zone entries. So if you let Pullman handle a lot more of the puck-carrying duties, I think that you can get away with the Dahlstrom-Pullman pairing. Yeah, I think Dahlstrom is not exactly the most mobile D, but he's very big, he's very strong, and he's actually capable of using that size and physicality to his advantage. I wouldn't say that you want to rely on that, but I mean, it is, it is what it is. I mean, you're looking at options with the Jets that aren't great no matter what, so you kind of have to pick and choose and hope for the best. I know a lot of people are going to be upset that Niku is kind of being frozen out here, but I think that, generally speaking, this is probably the right decision. I think that the time to make Niku a major part of this NHL lineup was probably a season or two ago when Bufflin was kind of, you know, not not really underperforming, but starting to get on the older side. But Bufflin was still a very good defender, and I think that he served as a useful outlet for somebody with a lot of puck carrying movement and uh, ultimately offensive zone skill like Niku, so you know I, I think at this point in his career Niku is probably going to be moved to another team at some point. Maybe he goes back overseas. He does have like a family here in the in you know North America, so maybe he sticks it out and tries to uh, eventually find a long term spot with the Jets. I don't really know if he's going to get it because I generally don't see Paul Maurice trusting him all that much. Uh, and this is just one of those situations where I think Niku is not really a great fit for the way that the Jets see things. Now, systematically speaking, I think Niku would make a lot of sense because I feel like if he were actually incorporated properly, he's a great uh, puck-carrying blue liner, but the issue with him is that he's still very raw defensively, and there's a lot of stuff in his game that probably needs to be worked out. So, you know, from Paul Maurice's perspective, I, I get it, and it's certainly... You know, at least reassuring to see that Stanley's in that same group because I think Logan is even more raw than Niku is and really has limited mobility and upside. So unfortunately, I just think that Niku's trajectory has definitely stalled out, and we're not really seeing as much from him as we were hoping to. In some ways, it's not really Niku's fault either because he hasn't really been given a fair shot at this stage of the uh, game, and I feel like his entire development trajectory was kind of essentially trashed when he didn't get a chance to play in the NHL long term. He needed a supportive pairing environment, and that just wasn't given to him, so ultimately his underlying results are not that surprising. By the same token, I'm curious to know whether or not, you know, a change of scenery would actually improve his results, because his defensive impact was bad enough to where I kind of wonder just how much Niku really has in the tank at this level. Hopefully, you know, he pieces it together and and ends up becoming a mainstay for the Jets, because I really like him. I think that he's a a potentially a great player, and he has some unique skills that no one on the Jets' defense has right now. So I I would definitely like him to stick around, and hopefully he can become more than just a spare part in this team. Speaking of spare parts, if you're looking for spare auto parts to fix your car up, rockauto.com has your back. rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to find the exact make model, and year for the vehicle you need service for, as well as the price range for the parts that you want to pay. Whether you need a new engine control module, a new floor mat, or something in between, rockauto.com has exactly what you need in stock. Why waste time going out during quarantine to auto parts stores that probably don't have what you need in stock? rockauto.com will save you anywhere from 20, 30, 40, even 50% off retail brick and mortar in-store pricing. And best of all, no matter your experience level or profession, you always pay the same prices. Whether you're an experienced mechanic or an amateur DIYer, RockAuto.com's pricing always remains the same for all customers. If you place an order, be sure to leave locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto.com. On the uh, spare parts theme, I was trying to figure out what team we left off with our Seattle expansion draft stuff, and I'm pretty sure we left off with the New Jersey Devils, who are kind of, I don't know, they're an odd team because they're very bad and they haven't had a whole lot of improvement despite the fact that they've spent many years stuck in an eternal rebuild so they have quite a few contracts on the books and I think that the couple of ones that stick out to me needing to come off the books might be PK Subban, uh, Corey Schneider, and then maybe well that's probably the the two main ones I mean there's Travis Zajac I guess who is expiring in not too long here but for the most part, the Devils don't have that much active NHL money that's really eating up cap space and that they're particularly worried about. I think Schneider might be a guy that they try to pay Seattle to take because at this point in his career, he's not really capable of playing, uh, at least healthily. Subban, though, is also on a really big cap headed around $9 million, and he still has a season or two left on his deal. It looks like two seasons. So I could see them trying to convince Seattle to make him one of their anchors on the back end. The problem with Subban is that At this point in his career, he's really fallen off a cliff, and I don't know if there's much uh, hope for him recovering form. So, you're basically getting, like, a modest second-pairing defenseman at best for $9 million. I could see, though, Seattle maybe gets paid to take on his deal, uh, or maybe there's some kind of retained salary before the expansion draft, and then Seattle just takes some crap player instead of anyone useful. Uh, That could be a thing. I don't know. It's kind of an odd situation with this team because there's not a whole lot to choose from. And the NHLers that are there, I, I don't know, there's not that many guys that I think uh, you look at what Seattle would need. And not many of these players will really fill a role. The next team on the list that definitely will need a lot more help are the New York Islanders. And I look at that roster and there's like a, a ton of candidates of players that could go. Uh, Semyon Varlamov definitely has a bad deal. He's being paid $5 bucks for... I don't know three or four seasons. Andersley, they want to keep around even though he's 30 and and signed until 2026. Brock Nelson, they will probably try to keep. Andrew Ladd, though, they might want to get out of uh, out of that deal because Andrew Ladd is barely a fourth liner at this point, and he's being paid five and a half million until 2023. If you want to pay to dump money, that's a deal that you probably look to get out of as quickly as possible. Jordan Eberle and Josh Bailey are both, I think, uh, good enough to maintain. At least a few more seasons on their current contracts, and I think that they are actually contributors to the Islanders, so you don't really want to dump salary that's not useful. But Andrew Ladd, he seems like the guy who's got to go. Varlamov at least has, I think, well, he's around the same time frame, but I think Ladd actually provides less because a, they they have uh, only a couple of NHL goalies that are capable of carrying the load outside of Thomas Grice, and Varlamov and Grice are splitting the net, so... You know, I think Ladd is pretty much the odd one out here. Unfortunately, the Jets really dodged a bullet when they ended up signing Bufflin and not Ladd. Crazy to think uh, how those two are basically not in the NHL all that much these days. The other New York team, the New York Rangers, have a lot of players with no movement clauses, which means that their uh, protection situation is going to be a challenge. I think that looking at their contracts, D'Angelo is probably going to get an extension, and most of their defensemen are going to be expiring pretty soon. No one from that blue line they're going to be too worried about exposing. Uh, on the forward side of things, I could see guys like um, Ryan Strom or maybe a Beleski or a Faust being exposed. They also might try to move Brendan Lemieux. There's a lot of players who are kind of okay, but not really high-end contributors. Strom, they might try to trade instead because Strom actually has legitimate NHL value and he's expiring, I believe, this season. So if he negotiates some kind of a contract extension, maybe New York tries to get uh, tries to get Seattle to take him on. I could also see Beleski, but Beleski's also coming off the books this year, so he's probably not somebody that New York is too worried about. I don't know, there's like a lot of free agents that are expiring this year or next, and that's going to make New York's situation a little bit complicated. I, I have to think that if they do get somebody claimed, maybe it's one of the defensemen, Mark Stahl or Brendan Smith, Get that money off the books because their forward ranks don't have many candidates that I would say uh Seattle would be jumping at the chomping at the bit to really take up next on a list of teams that you don't really know who to take uh we've got the Ottawa senators and wow, what a bit of a wasteland um looking at this team i, I don't really know I, Ottawa could try and pay Seattle to take like an Artem Isimov or something but like what what does this really accomplish for the Sens? I mean, they're trying to hit the cap floor while also not spending that much money. So maybe they look to move like an Anders Nielsen or maybe one of their cheap defensemen like uh, Mike Riley or something. I mean, there's just not a whole lot here that looks particularly appetizing. Maybe they convince Seattle to take like Nikita Zaitsev or something. I don't know. I mean, that's just a lot of money that's I don't know, I, I look at these contracts and I'm really struggling to figure out what exactly Ottawa needs to dump because most of these guys are not that great, uh, and and a lot of them are signed to, like, moderately not-terrible contracts. Uh, so, Ryan, I, I know that they would potentially think about moving, but Ryan's also been there for ages, and if Vegas didn't take him, I highly doubt Seattle will. Uh, there's also Marion Gaberick, who's currently on injured reserve. I don't know if that's like long-term injury reserve or whatever, but he's got, you know, a 4.875 mil cap hit, and he's got one or two seasons left on his deal. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. I look at this roster, and there are some decent talents like Anthony Duclair and maybe uh, Connor Brown, Matthew, well, not really Matthew Pekka, I guess, but uh, Jace Howerluck, a few of those kinds of players, but I, I don't know what Seattle would do here. It would probably be one of these middle six or fringe NHL guys, uh, because most of the other contracts are not really things that you need to be worrying too much about dumping. We are getting into the home stretch of this episode's look at the Seattle expansion draft, and uh, we have the Philadelphia Flyers up next who have quite a bit of contracts on the book. Most of them aren't too bad. Um, Some of these guys are, are more effective than other players, and there's kind of an interesting mix of really talented top sixers and some not-so-good defensive unit players. Uh, but I, I think as far as the contract that they could potentially move and not be too upset about, maybe they look to move James James Van Riemsdyk. I could also see them trying to do something around Jakub Voracek. I mean, Voracek, I think, is one of those guys who uh, would be hard to move James Van Riemsdyk maybe less so, but I I think JVR is happy where he is. And I think that this is a challenge, is that this is, as is right now, a very competitive team. And if you break up a guy, uh, you know, a top six that includes guys like JVR and and Voracek and Giroud and Hayes, I mean, look, these guys are all in their older years, and they're definitely not in their primes. But I think it would be a hard sell to the team, especially these players, to ask you know, any of them first off to move their no-movement clause for anyone who has it like Hayes does, um, and B, to really accept a move to Seattle and and convince Seattle to take on one of these contracts. I just feel like for both parties, they may not be super thrilled about it. Uh, and, and Philadelphia, contract-wise, is not doing too terribly. I think that they are definitely closer to the cap, but I think they're okay for now. So maybe they lose somebody like, I don't know, Michael Roffel or Scott Lawton or something, and they're not too worried about that. You know, Sean Couturier, though, his contract is going to be up in a couple of seasons. Uh, That could be a a bit of an issue that Philadelphia needs to prepare for, so maybe they try and get JVR out, but I don't know. I feel like doing that right now may be a little premature. Pittsburgh's another interesting team with quite a few guys under contract that they need to figure out what to do with. Right off the bat, I look at this roster, and I think if, if you want to pay Seattle to take somebody, I would probably look at moving Patrick Hornquist. He signed until 2023 uh, at a little over 5 mil, and I feel like at his age and for what he brings, he's definitely fallen off pretty quickly, and I, I think that that's a deal that you could reasonably get Seattle to stomach if you're willing to pay up for it. You know, I, I would rather keep Bugstad and a couple of other guys over Hornquist, especially because Hornquist is already 33, and at this stage of his career is pretty much in the twilight years rather than his prime if they, you know, want to move a defenseman instead, Jack Johnson could certainly be something that they want to get rid of. I mean, Johnson is a bit over 3 mil, and he signed until the same year, 2023, and he's definitely less productive in almost every category. I just think it's a matter of who exactly you want to prioritize moving out and opening a spot up for uh, over you know one or the other. I would probably opt for Hornquist here, just because I feel like Pittsburgh usually is able to identify good forward skaters from college that they can sub in here, but I don't know, Johnson provides such negative value that that might also be a very compelling argument to use him instead. Closing us out today, we've got the San Jose Sharks, and the Sharks are, yeah, they're in some kind of situation with their roster. They've got a lot of guys who are are under long-term contracts, but they're all very expensive. Most of them are are not quite worth their price tag, and I don't really know what this team is going to do because they don't have a whole lot in the way of Uh, replacements immediately waiting in the wings to fill in some of these contract guys especially as they age out and maybe retire on defense they're definitely stuck with carlson burns and vlasic which under normal circumstances wouldn't be too bad except that is uh 11 million 11 and a half million actually 8 million and 7 million in money and two of those are on no movement clauses and all of them run until at least 2025 so not great if you're the sharks uh if they want to get rid of a contract, I could see Evander Kane being a potentially productive option to send to Seattle. Kane often, you know, deals with injury problems. And while he is still very productive, he's also seven million bucks and he signed until twenty twenty five. So that's that's a tough call. I mean, you've also got Couture who's uh thirty one and he signed until twenty twenty seven at eight million. I I think that to be honest, no matter what San Jose does here, they're gonna be screwed. They're gonna to have to pay uh, Seattle to take a contract if they want to move one of their really expensive deals but if they move one of those expensive deals that immediately impacts their playoff odds and this team probably needs to do a rebuild sooner rather than later but they've also got guys like you know Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer who are in their primes right now and it's like what do you really do with this roster I mean it's it's not good enough to be uh, a Stanley Cup contender but it's also still got enough left in the tank to be a a genuine playoff contender of a sort, just not a cup contender, so I don't really know what this team's going to do. I don't even want to project too much. I I feel like Kane would be a choice. If they could try and move Brent Burns, that would be, I think, the most preferable option because Burns is really expensive and very bad for what he uh, provides at this stage of his career and at his price tag. But I just don't really see a realistic situation where anything good happens for uh, the Sharks. I think they're pretty much screwed at this stage, and it's only a matter of time before this core starts to collapse. I hope you folks enjoyed this episode. If you guys disagreed with any of my assessments, be sure to let me know at Loco or hit up the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.